Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Explain It Slowly. Explain It Slowly. Slowly. Can I ask you a question this time? No, why? The, the whole point is me ask you. But there are things that only you know that I do not very much. Like eating and sleeping all day. Those are, those are some things. But I, what I really wanted to know, because you are telling me about it a few weeks ago, what is a stenographer? Okay, so stenographer or stenography. Mm-hmm. It's an actual Greek word. You should know this, He's actually. Is like me, Greek person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very partially Greek. Technically half, but culturally zero. <laughs> you eat a lot of yodels. That's about all the Greeks would I eat. <laughs> it's true. It's it true. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, stenography, Greek word. It's a Greek word. So, stenos or steno uh-huh. means narrow uh-huh. and graphy means uh, writing. Mm-hmm. So, put together, it's narrow writing mm-hmm. or shorthand. And a stenographer is a person who uses shorthand to write or record things. So what exactly is shorthand? Uh, so they they have a special computer or a, like a typewriter mm-hmm. that is specific to stenography. And there's only about, I think there's only 22 letters on there. Mm-hmm. And since there's very little characters on or keys on there in order to, I guess, like, make a word or type a word you would use combinations of certain keys at the same time mm-hmm. and that is the shorthand so does it encode the syllables that are in each word or does every word just have an alternate shorthand spelling if you would and they just have to memorize all those what is encoding encode meaning to uh save the information so when we write an english word we basically memorize the spelling for a particular word uh-huh. and we write it down. So is shorthand just an alternative nonsensical spelling? Because English spelling does not make sense. Um, or is it something that actually goes with the phonology of English? It's just a more efficient system of writing it. Mm, I don't actually know uh-huh. since I didn't really <laughs> do research or look up that much. Part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the way it works is certain, like an example I found mm-hmm. what is the word calendar. Mm-hmm. So if we were to type out the word calendar using a normal keyboard, there are eight characters there. Mm-hmm. So you would have to spell out every single character. Or, and you have to get it right. And mm-hmm. all the keys, right? Mm-hmm. But for when it comes to using this machine or this special way of writing is it's sort of each the word is broken up into like three parts so you would have cal you had n and you have der Mm -hmm. so then um so then if you look at it that's only three parts of a word so so it's being represented by just three keys Mm -hmm. in general okay yeah I mean, it's a whole different language. And it's something that you kind of just have to memorize. Mm-hmm. Well, like I was saying earlier, English is basically the same thing. Right. Like people think of 
English as being, oh, it's an easy language to learn, but that's that's the case if you're mm-hmm. a native English speaker. If you're learning it from the outset, it's a nightmare of a language to learn because the spelling, although we claim every letter has a sound and like these combinations make these sounds, there is no rhyme or reason for many combinations. It just comes in purely from historical mm-hmm. reasoning. Like, oh, if it came from French, then you get this combination. If it came from Swedish, then you get this combination. And it's the same two letters, mm-hmm. but it will be completely different. Like one uh, easy like example of this is if you wanted to spell fish, you could do so with G-H-O-T-I. G-H from enough. So the F from enough. Mm-hmm. O from women, like W-O, mm-hmm. women, that's mm-hmm. an I sound. And T-I from question, that's a sh sound. Mm-hmm. So if you want to spell fish, G-H-O-T-I. And like, <laughs> that's how much English spelling makes sense when it, it doesn't really, it's, it's more of a historical etymol- etymological um, origin for every word. So what we end up doing as English speakers is we just memorize the spelling for individual words we don't read the letters we just look at it as a whole and whatever shape that looks like mm-hmm. that's what sound it's going to make yeah um and it's not too different from chinese you know where every character has a sound and yeah you have to memorize five thousand characters but in english you have to memorize one hundred fifty thousand words you know so it's it's not all too different so i'm guessing that shorthand is very similar in that you just start to memorize like the, the keys and the combinations for these words and that's what it comes up as so let me ask you when they type this on the typewriter does it show the english word for it or does it show a shorthand version of that that the user that the stenographer typed it would show the shorthand Mm -hmm. yeah and And then of course modern technology you can plug this Mm-hmm. typewriter into a computer system and as you and i'm sure there's like a, a program that you can run mm-hmm. on the computer so as you type using the shorthand on the keyboard you can see it translating live into mm-hmm. like english words on the computer okay so it's, it's more or less automatic once you know the technique you can mm-hmm. be super efficient like how fast do can they type since it's so efficient I think to be qualified as a sonographer and to pass the test, you need to be able to type an upward of 200 words per minute. Some of the best sonographer can write about 300 words per minute. Now, it's been said that the speaking speed mm-hmm. is around 150 words per minute. So if someone who's able, <laughs> so someone who's able to type 300 words per minute can easily just transcribe what you just said, you know. Mm-hmm. And often this is being used in uh, mainly in court mm-hmm. for trials and things like that because you need someone to bookkeep, I guess, mm-hmm. to record everything that's being said in court. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, you just pass a test. Like there's intense training to go through this because if you want to be a sonographer for the court, of course, you have to learn all the legal terms as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just being able to type, you know. Yeah. And that's another thing with languages is you can consider yourself fluent at a language and then all of a sudden you are get you get thrown into a math class and you have no idea mm-hmm. what any of those words mean because you don't have that domain knowledge yeah. uh, for math or for the courts yeah. or medicine. Like there's all sorts of these domains of just many more thousand words that you just have to know. And I guess that's where that comes in. Mm-hmm. I, I know that um, for 
for uh, voiceover, um, I, I guess it wouldn't be called voiceover, um, but for those who can't uh, directly see what's on the screen, they have a screen reader readout. Yeah, and it's called the, TTY. Yeah, Usually TTY. Usually used for deaf people. Mm-hmm. And, right. Uh, for <laughs> deaf and blind. Like no, is it parts. TTY? I think so. I think it's, I don't know what it stands for. Uh, teletype. E! <laughs> um, it's a Y, not an E. <laughs> it's a Greek I or an Y in French. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, I know that for those users, when they type, they, there's an alternate way of typing where if you wanted to type the word internationalization, for instance, it's a long word. Mm-hmm. You can actually, there's like only one word that starts with I and N and that has 11 letters. <laughs> so you can say I11N uh-huh. and that would be a stand-in for that word and the software knows mm-hmm. to translate it. Um, so I guess that's kind of adjacent to shorthand in mm-hmm. a way. It's, I'm sure I'm sure there's some sort of uh, structure or reasoning why they chose certain letters to represent certain combination of like syllables in english Mm -hmm. you know but i didn't look into that so i don't know what to tell you there (laughs) maybe in a maybe in a future episode when when we revisit this topic i i think so when you say shorthand something else actually came to mind i remember a book that my mom used to have and it was on american shorthand but this is something that you write it wasn't something that you would use a typewriter for and it did not look like english it mm-hmm. looked like scribbles uh-huh. for like to the untrained eye mm-hmm. um and i'm guessing that the shorthand that's on the like maybe you don't know or maybe you do um the shorthand that's on the typewriter or the stenography machine whatever yeah. it's called um do you think it's similar to that or does it use like um like a english letters no uh, for the most part so they do use english letters so mm-hmm. at like most of the time it's consonants mm-hmm. and then i think there's a few keys for vowels mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it and so like i don't know i'm gonna make this up because it's not true like the i don't know the character like skp put it together will mean one Skip. word but it's not it's not I by don't, sound it's not by sound and i i don't know too much about this so like correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, but the way it works, I don't know how they come up with this system. But certain letter represent a combination of sound or letters in English. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm making this up, but mm-hmm. let's say for instance, like the word calendar earlier. So there, in using stenography's method, it would be three characters. So. There'd here. be one letter per... So be one letter for C-A-L, cow, and then E-N, and then D-A-R, dar, right? Calendar at the end. So then, like, each character would represent, like, a group of words or letters in English, and that's what it is. And they do use the English letters. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not like when we were kids and we would make up a, a shorthand or like a, a, a secret language among our us friends right mm-hmm. like it's heavily optimized yeah mm-hmm. and it's not as simple as like because when i was in co- when i was in high school like we have to take lots of notes right mm-hmm. and i would come up with a way to write where i can i'm able to copy all the notes down as fast as possible because there's just so much notes like i would 
That's you know, where the American shorthand thing Yeah, was. that's where <laughs> the American shorthand is like you drop all the vowels, just write all the consonant only. And hopefully you, as a person who is coming up with this <laughs> system for yourself, know that, oh, SKP for me is skip, mm-hmm. not something else. You yeah, know it's what a I'm lot saying? less useful to someone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's up to you to figure it out, but yeah. Okay, so as a final vein on this kind of topic... Um, I know, like, the keyboard that is right in front of us is a QWERTY keyboard because mm-hmm. the upper row, it's Q-W-E-R-T-Y. Mm-hmm. Um, in France, for instance, it's an Azerty keyboard, A-Z-E-R-T-Y. Yeah. Um, but there's also another one that's used by English-speaking countries called the Dvorak keyboard. And the Dvorak keyboard basically mixes up the letters such that the ones that you use most often are kind of on that home row Mm -hmm. and they're easier for you to type Mm -hmm. um and if you can get the muscle memory for it you can be much more efficient do you know if the stenographer stenography machine uh uses something similar or okay you just pulled up a (laughs) picture and it's like complete wacko it does not look like a keyboard but but i think get that idea out of here i think for them it is what you said the letters mm-hmm. that you use the most are the letters that are most prominent mm-hmm. in that area mm-hmm. right yeah yeah so i guess check the chapter art and we'll put a picture of what these machines look like and what the keyboard looks like because uh it is a little bit wacky if if you're not expecting it mm-hmm. and it's a like i said it's a combination of letters so like i don't know tp may mean something you know or mm-hmm. SKP, I'm making all this up, but it means something to mm-hmm. these people. And literally... You and just, to the software that translates. Yeah, and to the software. So I'm sure, like I said, there's reasoning that went into deciding how, why certain letters represent certain groups of words mm-hmm. in English, but... Yeah. Hopefully there is anyways, and it didn't just come out half and they <laughs> And they didn't just like wake up one day, I was like, okay, S is gonna be, I don't know, for all the words mm-hmm. that starts with I don't know, G in English or something like that. Because right? the the QWERTY keyboard is one that came out came about haphazardly. You had someone who claimed to say that's the most efficient way to type in English mm-hmm. and we're stuck with it even though it's not. So, like, I guess hopefully someone, someone put a lot of thought into uh, this keyboard. And then, so a sonographer can be found in the courtroom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where or, else? Or, uh... I don't know, live broadcasting when you need those live captions, oh, things like captions. that, or mm-hmm. like some medical records, things like that. Um, yeah. I've, I've seen them in classrooms as well for like lectures. Sometimes there's someone sitting at the front with one of these machines to go ahead and type the lecture out, probably sure. for students with needs where mm-hmm. they can't take the notes themselves yeah definitely i mean they're pretty much used anywhere where you need things to be recorded and you have the means to hire a stenographer because apparently they're pretty expensive mm-hmm. i mean well it's a sk- it's a skilled job and right. only a few put in the effort to get to that point mm-hmm. right so i imagine it's it's something where if you want to dedicate yourself to it you can be one of the few that does a good job at it and hopefully you won't have too much trouble finding work Mm -hmm. i mean well stenographers for court there's very in demand and the majority of the people that are stenographers for court are well in their 50s by the time you're in your 50s you're like 
that's when you and that's when you, you're good at you it. matured <laughs> like you mastered it but then like i don't know within another decade or so you're you're into retirement age so then like how would you replace those people you know mm-hmm. so it's i think it's constantly in demand and it's a very hard thing to master you know mm-hmm. well we're like the new generation is growing up on computers with keyboards so mm-hmm. hopefully they can master it at a younger age and be able to make something out of it so since since you were saying we speak at 150 words per minute right and Rough, a average yeah can vastly outpace that uh, why why don't we just use an audio recording nowadays because we have the technology right it mm-hmm. can't be that difficult to get a good quality audio mm-hmm. um i think the reasoning for it is there could be a lot of mishaps when it comes to audio recording. And I think they have tried it in court mm-hmm. with audio recording. But the problem is that, you know, the mic, the microphone needs to be set up a certain way. The speaker needs to know that they need to be a certain proximity away from the mm-hmm. speaker. Or if there's too much ruffling, like things might get cut off, you know. Or if someone's speaking over each other, things get cut off. Whereas with a stenographer, since they're able to be present in in that moment Mm -hmm. they can easily ask someone to repeat themselves Mm -hmm. or you know they are able to like they're able to observe who's speaking at that moment to note it down you know they're part of the discourse they yeah so i think i mean i think they have tried but it i guess the result didn't come out as well as they had hoped that's why they're still sticking with sonographers and especially in a lot of the very high profile cases mm-hmm. that you don't want any mishaps there you know mm-hmm. and i imagine as well uh there is also a chance where for instance uh if you have audio recording you might take the naive approach and just set up some microphones and then it's kind of done as far as like the setup goes and then it should record Mm -hmm. right yeah but like what they really need is also an audio engineer that's always there Mm -hmm. to make sure that the sound gets recorded and that everything is there and there are no mishaps because it's easy to just click the wrong button and then you didn't save anything during that whole process so i imagine it gets rid of all those problems and you have a dedicated person they have their dedicated machine they're ready like you see instantly if the machine is not working so you mm-hmm. can put a hold to the case uh if you need something removed from the record because it was not like appropriate it can be removed from the record yeah um but at least you have that record there and when you modify it all the record is there right mm-hmm. versus an audio recording like Someone has to go back over it after and then, the fact. And but then, like, when you edit a, a an audio, you might disrupt everything else. And, like, you know. Yeah. So, so I, I, I can see, I can appreciate that it's way simpler just have a dedicated person there. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be that we can have a dedicated audio engineer in the future and they're good enough to get everything live. They might cost more than a stenographer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And all the equipment that you need. I mean, you need one stenographer, one machine, where, whereas if you hire an audio engineer, you, you need, need to have... for every person. Yeah, it, you need a switchboard. Yeah. And, make sure that the recording equipment is good to go. Mm-hmm. It's way more complicated. Yeah. So. I mean, even while we're recording this, sometimes I forget that I need to project myself, even though we have a giant microphone in front of me you know mm-hmm. is it a microphone it, it is recording right the light is not <laughs> yeah but like but like i have this reminder of this giant microphone in front of me and sometimes i forget to project myself so imagine if you're in a courtroom you know it's very tense 
the tension is rising and like you know and you wouldn't know if you didn't get something until yeah, afterwards which yeah is the worst. exactly exactly mm. again unless you have a dedicated person there with headphones that's listening to everything mm-hmm. and is able to be part of the discourse but i don't think people see technology in that way once they mm-hmm. see technology as like a magic silver bullet it's like it doesn't need people anymore when yeah. it very much does uh-huh. like Technology is just a tool, but we never see it that way. We see it as a replacement, and I think that makes things worse in the end. Well, thank you for telling me about stenography. You're welcome. I hope I did a good job. I think you did excellent. I'm looking forward to asking you more questions in the future. No, don't. (laughs) Don't put me on the spot. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. So jumping back in, uh, we had some time to reflect on our recording and we may have gone a few details wrong. Lynn, can you fill us in? Right. So at one point I said that uh stenography uh-huh. isn't really based on sound, mm-hmm. but it is completely based on sound. And that was uh my mistake. I didn't do too much research on this, which well, I guess that's the whole point of in this. the spirit of the show, right? I just right. asked you a random question. You were thinking you were gonna ask me a question. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> so uh so I did some research and it turns out that sonography is based on syllables syllables or right. the phonetics right? yeah the phonetic structure of english rather than the spelling of english the keys that they use have basically nothing to do right but the combinations that they came up with are transcribing syllables mm-hmm. to a certain extent yeah so it's not like the word cat, you're going to have the word, the letter C and then A and then T to represent that combination. But if you have a combination of, and you had some examples on your chart. I, I do not translate cat. So, so that one is an easy sample. Uh, okay, but ig- ig- we'll, we'll get into that specific example. But for instance, if you have the combination, uh, the characters that are printed out as HR, that's always going to represent an L at the beginning of a syllable. Um, And HR does not make an L sound, uh, but it's consistently going to represent a L kind of sound. Yeah, which if you think of it phonetically, I mean, HR has nothing to do with the letter (laughs) or the sound of the letter L. Yeah, just an unused combination. Right, so as to why they chose these letters to represent a certain syllable Mm -hmm. i don't know it's probably for simplification they don't want to necessarily throw everything at the keyboard because the keyboard is split up into different sections right right so uh as an example if you look at the keyboard of a sonographer and if you take a look at your podcast player we'll put an image uh in the in the artwork for this chapter uh you basically have on the left side you have keys for the starting consonant of a syllable on the right side, you have keys for the ending consonant of that syllable. And on the bottom, you have keys that represent uh, the vowels. Um, and I would assume uh, the stenographer, to be able to type so quickly, they're basically representing the entire syllable of a word with like one one mash of fingers all at once. Uh, so that way you have the representation of the start, the representation of the end, and the vowel Uh, that are being pressed simultaneously to kind of... That's what makes it so fast. Am I understanding that properly? Yes, and the 
and I'm, I'm gesturing the claw. With, I'm gesturing <laughs> with my hand the claw of all the fingers going down on the keyboard all at once that that has a word for it it's called cording chord uh-huh. yeah it's like a, C- on a C- piano yeah basically. c-h-o-r-d chord. yeah a chord is that how you say a chord mm-hmm. yeah so if you have piano so experience it... <laughs> you press a whole bunch of keys at once to get a nice blah yeah it's the same thing except you get congratulations well <laughs> 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 but, but not actually that whole word you just get the con <laughs> and then they do it another one grad <laughs> dude <laughs> Lay. Shine. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh. Um, but as a result of that, there's not like the entire alphabet on one side and the entire alphabet on the other. No. To be able to represent all those combinations, right? No. So uh, like the word cat that I brought up before, the K sound at the beginning, that is represented by K. Mm-hmm. But the K is only on the left side. So if you have a word that ends in K, like um, Jack, Jack, uh, it's not going to end with a letter K for on a sonographer's right because rollout. all the endings consonant needs to come from the right hand side of the keyboard. And yeah, that, and there's no K there, and there's no K there. So you need a combination of the letter B and G that you'll press at the same that time. that you'll press at the same time mm-hmm. to mean K when it's at that the is end. an ending. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's it, it is like based on phonology and the sounds of English to a fairly high extent, I would yeah, say. No, um, but it's unrelated to the spelling that we would normally consider. Like B and G does not make a K sound, but <laughs> there was no K, so they found a combination that worked. Uh huh. As long as everyone kind of speaks the same language, <laughs> then they can understand each other uh, when they're reading it out. Well, maybe maybe the letter G is close to the letter K in terms of like our alphabet, and so then you use adjacent letters to that letter G mm-hmm. to then like, represent K. Maybe yeah, like from a linguistic point of view, the sound K and the sound G, which is generally represented by K and a G, uh-huh. they are very similar in uh, like almost every language. In that they're made in the same part of your mouth. The only difference is if your vocal cords are vibrating while you're saying the consonant. So, k does not get any vibration until the vowel comes in. Like, call, kelp. Like, as soon as the vowel comes in, that's when the vibrations start. So, if you put your hand on your throat and you say the k, it's not going to vibrate right away. But if you put your hand on your throat and you say g, the vibration is going to start in as soon as the consonant starts... And it's going to continue into the vowel. So, gall, uh, gif. Um, yeah, I, I was trying to use G-E and I couldn't think of oh, it. <laughs> like, gelp. Um, <laughs> uh, what happens when you're not prepared to give examples? Um, well, that's the whole point of the podcast, but which makes it really hard because then now you're giving wrong facts. <laughs> and well, I feel I feel so bad because this is the first time you asked me a question and already I screwed up. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure I messed up just as much. I just didn't have the, I just, the scrutiny to go back and, and check. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Or uh, at least I, because you're explaining it to me, I don't know it enough to really fact check you. Uh-huh. Fact check check not fax check yeah she sends me a fax every time it takes forever for me to receive it <laughs> do, 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 and then the the internet di- is it through internet no 
We'll save how fax machine work for another episode. Oh no. <laughs> so, um after they transcribe the conversation that happened, they end up with an alphabet soup of <laughs> of letters that makes pretty much no sense to anyone but stenographers, right? Mhm. Or at least to the person that wrote that. Mhm. And I would imagine like now it's probably standardized, but back then there every stenographer might have had their own kind of system going on where they they like picked what combinations of letters worked for their left side and their right side, right? Right. I I think like for the most part there there's a standard as to like okay, these are all the keys. All the keyboard is going to look the same. You're going to have the exact same letters on the left and the right and the, mm-hmm. your vowels so it's the same but the way that you put combinations of strokes together to represent uh those consonants those that con- are not represented yeah it, it kind of more or less depend on like the stenographers themselves but mm-hmm. there is a standard that they everyone more or less follow mm-hmm. and then you do minor tweaks here and there on your own custom keyboard. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the example I found is that you can tweak the sensitivity of the keys. So so kind of like on the quirky uh, keyboard that we use, Quirky. there are Quirky keyboard that we use. There are certain letters that we don't use often, right? Mm-hmm. So this the same thing as for the stenographer type stenography typeboard is that there are certain letters that you don't use so often that or that. You do use it often, but it exists on a lower part of the keyboard that is harder to get to. Mm-hmm. So then you would tweak those certain keys to be less sensitive or more sensitive, more or less. As in like if it's, you want it to react as soon as you tap it. More sensitive. More sensitive. Mm-hmm. So you tweak the sensitivity of the keys so that, you know, or may or maybe sometimes you make it less sensitive. That way, if you accidentally tap that key, or brush up against, or brush it. up against it because it's in a certain spot that you're not uncomfortable with, then you know it doesn't mess up your transcript. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's one way. And other ways are like you know they would like let's say if you work for a certain company or a certain group and there are certain phrases that come up every single time mm-hmm. then maybe you would then create an abbreviation or a shorthand keys that would represent that phrase that come up often you know mm-hmm. so then that was then unique to you yeah it's not it's not represented uh in the typical listing that stenography students would learn Mm -hmm. right um but it's it's represented by a combination of keys that doesn't represent any other sound yeah so these are unused uh this is now going to represent uh to the ladies and gentlemen of the jury uh, which would be a common phrase that comes up every single court case yeah um so instead of typing out all those syllables they are extra lazy about it and they're gonna be like these are not used yeah, exactly. And smush their fingers on on that combination. Exactly. Um, and I also noticed that uh, in English, famously, we're like, "Oh, English has five vowels, and sometimes six if you count the letter Y." y. <laughs> um, and I, I love to point this out because the English language makes no sense, uh, especially how it is taught in schools, because 
Uh, English as a language, depending on the dialect and region, has something like 27 vowels. It is like super hard for people that don't learn English growing up to actually get right um, and not have an accent. Like when you hear people have an accent, it's because they're simplifying down this enormous complexity to what they're used to speaking in their native language. Um, and English has tons of vowels. So on this on this uh, sonographer keyboard, there's only four. It even leaves out I. Um, but uh, if you if you play around with your with your own mouth and pay attention to where your lips and tongue are, you'll notice that letters like ah and o, oh, your tongue is in the same spot and your lips move. And the same for uh, letters like e, u, like your tongue is further back and it's just the rounding of your lips that changes e, u, the sound. Isn't that a French vowel, not an American vowel? Well, I was just giving okay, those examples. I was like... Those are the extremes. <laughs> so if you look at like the history of languages, like a lot of uh, very simple languages only have like two vowels. Just the extremes as so where your mouth and lips need to be, and you can represent those two vowels with no no uh, confusion whatsoever. And then you have everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. So like e u. Um, like the U sound in French, it's very peculiar. You just have to start with an E and slowly round your lips and you start making that weird, that weird sound. Um, duck face. We duck face. <laughs> so, uh, there, long story short, like there are tons of vowels in English and it seems like uh, a stenographer would press different combinations of these four vowels, which if you were to look at a vowel chart, which represents where that tongue and lip structure is, it kind of represents where those vowels are at the four extremes that your mouth can be uh and like i didn't look super into it but it looks like most of the combinations are like an interpolation between these four points basically Mm -hmm. based on the keys so it's it's rather linguistically um set up uh if if i were to make up that terminology (laughs) so i think that's it for our quick correction yeah, so if there's any other mistakes that you notice while listening to our podcast, please let us know, but be nice. <laughs> We're all humans. We all make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, definitely reach out. We would love, love, love to correct further Yeah, um, because we're learning about stuff all the time, uh, and there's never a reason to not learn something new, especially mm-hmm. uh, if it's pertinent to what we discussed because we, we were guilty as charged of... Uh, of pushing knowledge that was incomplete on our <laughs> poor, poor listeners. Uh, so we want to get it right. Uh, so if you did notice any other discrepancies or you have something to add, please feel free to reach out. We're uh, at Lin and Dimi Chan on Twitter. Uh, so come bug us. Uh, and we'll happy to either have a correction episode or throw it in at the end of another episode or something. We'll figure it out. We'll give you a shout out too. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. Bye again. Bye.